Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night prayer meeting on Bible study time. And we're glad that you're joining with us. Once again, we want to encourage you to pray uh, earnestly that we'll be able to get the church open once again. And uh, we know that many of us are anxious for the time to get back together in the church house and be able to fellowship. We are working on a drive-in service and trying to get the equipment necessary in place. And so keep that in your prayers. Also, we've uh, asked you to fast and pray tomorrow on Thursday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., fasting and praying over this, this situation with churches, not just our church, churches across America that have been closed down by the government. And uh, there's a lot of different, different states are having different issues. And um, it's interesting, there are some states where the churches haven't had any issue uh, they continue meeting as normal. And then in other states, we're told we're not allowed to meet. And, um, but we believe we have a constitutional right to meet in the church house and uh, pray with us about that. <clears throat> we're going to start a new uh, series tonight. And the title of it is Fruit by the Bushel, Rooted in Christ for Spiritual Growth. And uh, we'll be talking about being rooted in Christ And uh, that'll be our our lesson for tonight. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. I'm going to read this psalm. The Bible says there, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous." but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And then go over to Colossians, over in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 6, 7, and 8 in Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says there, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Father, once again we come and petition you to we come and bow before the very throne of grace as you've invited us to. And Lord, you promised that if we would come, that you would send help. And and we're asking you for your help tonight. We pray that you would encourage our hearts and strengthen our resolve. Help us as we study the lesson that the truths that are there would be apparent to our heart and to our life, and we'd implement them. 
I thank you for those who are watching by way of live stream. Lord, we would much rather have them here in person. But for this time, we, we have to do what, what, uh, what we have available. And we pray that you would use it to your praise and glory. Give me strength of voice and clarity of thought to bring the lesson as you would have me to. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In this lesson, we're going to begin a study of abundant fruit-bearing as Christians. As with any study, we start at the beginning. For fruit, the beginning happens below ground level with the roots. There is no growth and consequently no fruit where there are no roots deeply planted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 13 and verse 6 the parable of the sower, and it says, And when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. When we're not rooted and grounded in Christ, the desire for growth is only superficial. When we talk of spiritual growth, it's only a cliche. We say it because we know it's right to grow in Christ. But even though we, we use these cliches, we know it's never really going to happen in our lives. Well, the fact is, we will not grow in Christ if we do not become rooted in Him. It seems like society today, everything is being uprooted as we look around. Families are no longer rooted in loyalty, faithfulness, and camaraderie. The, the uh, family unit has been just disintegrating in our country. And uh, it's no longer where, where families stay together and, and uh, live around each other. They just explode and go all over. And, and uh, the family unit has been attacked. Economies are no longer rooted in basic fundamentals. Governments are no longer rooted in stability. And in many cases, even churches are no longer rooted in the truths of the Word of God. What a sad commentary. So, by way of introduction, I want to look at five reasons why we personally need to be rooted, why we need to make Colossians 2.7 a reality in our lives. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Well, number one, we need to be rooted because false teachers and false teachings are going to abound in the last days. That's what the Bible teaches us. They'll come door to door. They'll come to you over the radio, the television, by way of the Internet. They will pronounce heresies in direct opposition to the Word of God. Assertions which, assertions which if believed, will either keep a person from salvation in Christ or uproot a Christian from sound doctrine. And it makes me think about those folks who knock on your door usually on Thursday morning or Saturday morning with their little satchel who are carrying a damnable heresy. And, uh, and those uh, Mormons who ride their bicycles and wear their little name tag, elder so-and-so, who likewise carry a damnable heresy. And uh, we need to be on guard and rooted in Christ because uh, these these false teachers are going to become more and more in the last days. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14 address these. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, 
transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The irony is this. These false teachers will easily deceive Christians who are not deeply rooted in Christ. These cults love to find a, a, a Christian who's not deeply rooted, uh, just a new Christian or maybe a, a, uh, uh, one that's never grown spiritually, and uh, they're easily deceived. Well, number two, we need to be rooted because of our cultural drift away from God. The fastest growing belief system in America today is that of no belief in God. Isn't that amazing? Without an international rootedness or an intentional rootedness, we'll be as a nation drift further and further from him. And that's what we see in our country today. America is in a spiritual drift away from God and the wise Christian will seek to be rooted in his or her relationship with Jesus Christ in order to keep them from drifting along with the rest of the culture. Listen, we, we battle culture every day if we're really trying to live for the Lord because the culture is going in the opposite direction. And uh, my, uh, I, I guess I would have to say, and very quickly so, Number three, we need to be rooted because of the pull of our own flesh. When we get saved, we're born again by the Holy Spirit, and he takes up residence in our lives. Our bodies, however, are still flesh bodies, and we still have the emotions and feelings that tirelessly struggle to pull us away from those things that will help us to be rooted in Christ. Galatians 5.17 for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Many who would never acquiesce to false teachers, cults, or drift away from their hope and belief in heaven are folks that will stay home from church on Sunday, will forget to read their Bible, and will allow themselves to give in to bitterness and discouragement. Because the flesh is so strong, we need to be deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. Number four, we need to be rooted because of the uprooting of the family. Historically in America, many people were rooted through strong family relationships, their marriages and families. Today, however, we see family after family, marriage after marriage that publicly appears strong suddenly collapse. Many of these falls come because there's nothing at the root. We're seeing many Christian families today who are not rooted in Christ drifting away from their vows and from God's plan for them as husbands, wives, dads, moms, and children in the home. And then number five, we need to be rooted because of the ancient landmarks are being removed. In the Old Testament, the landmark was a literal pillar at the corner of a field, and it marked the property lines and the ownership of someone, it denoted the position of each family's property. In Proverbs, Solomon used this as an illustration to teach about ancient landmarks and character posts of society, many of which are being removed from our culture today. Proverbs 22, verse 28, 
Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. The Ten Commandments, prayer in the public school, readily comes to most of our minds as Christian principles upon which our country was founded. They are the landmarks of Scripture, but they're being torn from our society at an alarmingly increasing rate. As a result, we're now drifting like a tumbleweed in the desert without any roots. You know, a pine tree is a stateful, stately and beautiful tree. They can reach 20, 30, 40 feet high. But the part of that tree that none of us see is actually the most important part of the entire tree. That's the root system. And although we can't see the roots, they're there holding the tree firm and straight through droughts and storms. So it is with our lives. There are parts of our lives that are visible to others, are coming to church, are going to our Bible classes, smiling, singing, teaching, leading, or even preaching, but nobody really knows what's underneath. If our roots are not planted firmly in Christ, holding us firm and straight through spiritual droughts and storms, we will eventually be uprooted. One day we won't be singing in the choir. One day we won't be at our Bible class. One day we won't be in our place singing, smiling, teaching, or preaching without strong roots. We'll one day fall to the storms and drifts of our flesh and society. Hmm. Roots are a personal part of each Christian's life. Listen, I, as your pastor, can preach to you but I can't make you read your Bible, and I can't read your Bible for you. I can preach to you. I can share truths with you. But I, 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 can't, I can't challenge you or replace your personal time with the Lord. Listen, these are things you have to do for yourself. At some point, we must each make a personal decision to be rooted and grounded. We need to strive for deep roots in our relationship with Christ and in our knowledge of him and his word. So we see fruit by the bushel. We need to be rooted in Christ. First thing we want to look at is the planting of spiritual roots. Roots denote origin. In the world of plants, roots are the part of the plant beneath the surface of the soil The roots give stability to the plant. Ancestrally, roots are where we came from, our genetics, race, nationality, etc. In the life of a Christian, our root is Jesus Christ himself. We need to be planted in Christ. You cannot be rooted until you're planted. And you cannot be planted in Christ until you Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Everything in the Christian life begins with being planted in Christ. He is the believer's origin. One author said this, You are made for a person and for a place. Jesus is the person and heaven is the place. In Colossians 2 verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. After we've received him, our roots begin developing 
and growing. In Ephesians 3.17, Paul writes, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. It's easy for us to seek spiritual growth through relationships with others, but genuine spiritual vitality originates only from our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the originator. He is the developer of our roots. He is the master planter, and everything to do with our roots and growth begins in him. So we need to be planted in Christ. You got to be saved. You got to be born again. You got to have that beginning. And then we need to pursue Christ. Rootedness or the depth that comes from knowing Christ doesn't just happen. It must be pursued. We pursue this death in Christ by choosing to walk with him. Colossians 2.6 speaks of receiving Jesus Christ, and it continues by admonishing us, so walk ye in him. Once we're planted in Christ, although our flesh calls us to pull away from him, we need to choose to cling to him through his word. Christian growth is essentially a human being enjoying a relationship with Almighty God. It's a matter of hearing him through his word, talking to him in prayer, and walking with him. It's the development of an abiding, nourishing relationship into which you grow up as you are rooted down in Jesus Christ and his word. So we pursue this depth in Christ by choosing to walk with him, and we pursue this depth in Christ by becoming rooted in him. The Bible likens the heart of a saved person to good soil that received the word of God. Matthew 13, verse 8. But other seed fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. That's how our lives are to be and our hearts are to be. The word root means to render firm or to fix or to establish. God wants to develop roots in our life that go deep, seeking after the nutrients that are found in Jesus Christ. When our roots are properly planted in Christ through salvation, then nourished by the water of the word of God, we will grow. We're in the spring season, and it's time to be planting gardens. I just put some things in myself. But when a seed is planted... It germinates. And once it germinates, the tiny roots immediately start reaching and stretching down into the soil, seeking for nutrients to grow and strengthen the plant. After a while, the fruit is evident, strong, and flourishing. The vitality of the fruit is a direct result of the roots striving after nutrients. You know, I was thinking about, I planted my tomatoes <clears throat> a week early, but I planted them here a couple weeks ago. And when I plant tomatoes, I don't know if you do this, if you plant tomatoes, but I dig a nice deep hole, and I put all but about this much of that tomato in the ground. And I do that because now that much more of that plant develops roots, and the plant is so dependent on those roots to find the nutrients and nourishment in order to grow a strong plant and bear fruit. 
These roots are a picture of the Christian as he sits with an open Bible and an open heart, both in public church services and in private time spent with God. He's reaching, stretching, seeking nutrients to strengthen him and help him grow. And then finally, we pursue depth in Christ by being planted in the Word of God. We read Psalms 1. In verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the Bible. And that's where we should be meditating day and night. Meditating, it means to dwell on, on anything in thought, to contemplate things, to study, to turn or revolve any subject in the mind. Simply put, meditation is what we think about. God says we will be blessed when his word is the source of our meditation. Do you ever meditate on the word? you ever meditate on what you read or what the Bible says? See, it's interesting, but we know this. Whatever is on our mind directs us and controls us. We may attempt to be a good employee, but if non-work-related issues dominate our thoughts, our work will suffer. We might want to be a great spouse, but when cares or sins dominate our thoughts, our marriage will suffer. We may wish to be exemplary parents, but when activities and personal desires dominate our thoughts, our children will suffer. Whatever is dominating our thoughts gets our attention. That's why God wants us to meditate on his word day and night. He wants his word to be prevalent in our hearts and in our minds. And he encourages us with a promise for those who choose to meditate in his word. And that's in Psalms 1 verse 3. He, he shall by, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is a psalm, and it was written in the dry and arid land of Israel. But this, this psalm paints a picture for us of a tree flourishing in a desert-type location. Other plants may not be flourishing, but this tree has roots reaching deeply to the source of water, the source of strength for that tree. So we, we learn that our roots need to be reaching deeply into the Word of God, allowing us allowing Him to ground us in His Word. We need to delight in His Word. Roots that reach for the water of God's Word are so full of life that they don't wander off into our culture, attempting to absorb and fit into the world. Frankly, they just don't like anything. Choosing the first step to become planted in God's Word, the challenge then is actually making it happen. When it comes to pattering our life after and planning our life in the Word of God, we need to choose a time every day when we're going to meet with God. I'm a very, very strong advocate of having an appointment with God every morning or every day where you spend a little time in His Word and you spend some time in prayer. We commit many parts of our day to various activities. Getting up in the morning, our guard uh, watching for enemies that would come to attempt to destroy. I'm sorry. Getting up in the morning, exercising, going to work, we need to do the same with spending time in God's Word. We need to choose a time. We need to choose a place. We need to choose a plan to meet with God. 
and uh, some kind of Bible reading plan, organized plan. Listen, I'm not being critical, but I'm not a real fan of people just throwing open the Bible and reading wherever it opens to. Now, once in a while, that's not bad, but I think if you're really going to study the Word of God and understand the Word of God, you need to have a, a, a structured program of how you're reading. If you choose a plan, you'll be more likely to meet with him. And the example is over in Acts 17, 11, the Bereans. These were more, and it's talking about Berean Christians, Berean Christians. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. These people were in the word of God every day. And they're said to be more noble because they received the word with readiness of mind every day. They search God on a day-to-day basis. And then we need to choose to be spiritually disciplined. 1 Timothy 4, 7, But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself unto godliness. Exercise denotes consistency. To deepen our roots in Christ, we need to consistently seek the face of God through his word. So we have planting spiritual roots. We need to be planted in Christ. We need to pursue Christ. Then prevention of spiritual roots. The prevention of spiritual roots. We went over to Colossians in verse 8. Paul writes, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the devil himself, has given himself to cutting off our relationship with Christ. God warns us we need to beware. Satan will use whatever tactics and deceits he can to prevent us from going deeper in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he customizes a program just for you and just for me. He's he's that sly, he's that uh, deceitful, and... uh, He works whatever tactics it takes, he'll use. We see a likeness of this in the garden. There are many underground creatures that attempt to get at the roots of the plants the gardener is attempting to grow. When I was planting the other day, I got a little irritated because I pulled back some dirt and I found two grubs. Now, I know grubs can really, really destroy things. And uh, I had the grubs destroy my backyard one year. But what grubs do is they attack the roots of whatever you've planted. And so the larvae of certain insects feed on the roots, preventing the roots from absorbing the nutrients and water the plant needs. And that it will weaken the plant and stunt its growth, oftentimes killing it. Now, uh, grubs aren't the only enemy. Chipmunks. Chipmunks will eat the roots of your plants. Voles and moles. Um, when we first bought our house and moved in the first couple of years, um, I kept the losing plants, and, and I, I, I could see furrows, not furrows, tunnels. And I uh, figured out I didn't have moles, I had voles. And uh, I trapped a couple of them, got rid of them, haven't had a problem ever since. But what they would do would, was that they would eat the roots of the plants and kill my plants. 
And so uh, there are enemies uh, of plants. And gophers, ground squirrels, tunnel underneath the soil, eating the roots, destroying the plants. There is always an enemy attempting to thwart the work of the root, whether it's in a physical garden or in our spiritual walk. And Colossians 2.8 addresses two enemies we need to be aware of, enemy that will prevent our roots from going down deep. And the first one is the culture of this world is an enemy. Facets of our culture become so ingrained in our daily living that they appear to be innocent. We see them so regularly that they become the norm in our lives. In the culture in which Paul wrote Colossians, the danger in Colossae were mysticism and Gnosticism. Now, that's the belief that there might be a God, but we don't really know where. Paul was warning the Colossians against falling prey to cultural, philosophical trends of their day. And then Colossians 2 is so key to our study of what prevents spiritual rootedness, we need to look at it closely. Five key words in that, in that uh, or, or phrases in that verse. Number one, we're warned to beware. Now, we all know that means to be alert to dangers, but we must be constantly and consistently on guard. We need to be watching for enemies that would come in to attempt to destroy our spiritual roots. We're to beware, and then we're to beware lest any man spoil us. Spoil here means to carry away. The world wants to carry us away from our love and loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ and get us to demonstrate our love and loyalty to the world. John said, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then we were to beware of the constant possibility of being spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. Philosophy is the love of wisdom not necessarily the wisdom that comes through God's word. The Hellenistic age of which Paul spoke in Colossians was steeped in worldly philosophy or wisdom, and that pulled people away from the truth. Their philosophy drew them to follow vain deceit. They changed the truth of God into a lie. Paul wrote over in Romans 1, verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We're to beware of being spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. And then he says, after the traditions of men and rudiments of the world. The traditions of men are what men do because they've always done it. I'm thinking about a religion where it's based on tradition, and it's, this is what we've always done. Uh, my grandparents did it, my parents did it, now I do it, and my kids will do it. And uh, there are religions like that. The traditions are men or what they do because it's always done. We may feel comfortable and secure in our traditions, but when our traditions are not rooted in God's word, they are traditions of men. And we need to understand that. Second Thessalonians 3.6, Paul says this, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. Listen, the traditions we need to follow 
or what we find in the Word of God, not from man. Here Paul points the Thessalonians to the traditions he and the other apostles had taught them because those traditions are derived from Scripture. The rudiments of this world are basic ideas and philosophies of the world in which we live. The world is daily directing us to tolerate false teaching, false doctrine, and all manner of philosophies and tradition God directs us not to tolerate. And he says, and not after Christ. So we see here that we have a choice. We can accept the culture of this world, or we can follow Jesus Christ. We are reminded here that the culture of the world is opposite to Christ. And don't forget, Christ said no man can serve two masters. We're, we're going to follow one or the other. We can't follow both. So we see the culture of this world as an enemy. And then we see the crowd of the ungodly as an enemy. Psalms 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. On one hand, we have the general drift of culture, including concepts of tolerance in the workplace, on social media, and all the facets of our society, pulling us away from biblical norms. God warns us to beware of them. On the other hand, we have specific individual friends, some friends are godly, and when we're with them, we feel encouraged to grow in our relationship with Christ. Fellowship with them draws us to follow Christ, and those are good friends to have. But then there are the other friends, the other acquaintances, and these are the ones that have an opposite effect on us. When we spend time with them, we lose our desire to spend time with Christ. We feel drawn away from the church and God's word. And God warns us not to walk in their counsel or spend time with them. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the Bible says, evil communications corrupt good manners. And that means who you hang around with can corrupt you. Our sense of sin will be in direct proportion to our nearness to God. I want to say that again. Our sense of sin will be in direct proportion to our nearness to God. The more we choose to be under sound biblical preaching, to spend time in God's word, and to seek to walk with him, the stronger our discernment will be. We will recognize the ungodly acquaintances, those who tear down their spouse, take God's name in vain, and pull us away from the Lord. We'll realize these are not relationships that will help us become more firmly rooted in Christ and we'll sever those relationships. No matter how sincere our love for the Lord and our desire to be rooted in Him may be, we're going to encounter resistance to our growth. A wise Christian will follow the admonition to beware and will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and steering away from harmful elements of culture and harmful relationships that will stunt their growth. Then the third thing is the product of spiritual roots. The ultimate product of spiritual roots stretching deep into the soil, seeking out nutrients for strength and growth, is the eventual fruit that appears. When we see pine cones on a pine tree, we see the value of its roots. 
When we see apples on an apple tree or oranges on an orange tree, we see the value of the tree's roots. What is the product of roots planted in Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing is we'll produce spiritual fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. When we do not see the characteristics listed above in our lives, we can know there's a problem with our roots. Many Christians spend a lifetime trying to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit by changing their behavior. We would be much wiser to instead question, what's going on beneath the soil in my life? Are my roots grounded? Am I seeking nourishment from the Lord? Listen, when your roots are grounded in Jesus Christ and, and you're getting your nourishment from the Lord Jesus Christ, you will display the fruit of the Spirit. The, spirit reveal, the fruit reveals the condition of the roots. Psalms 1 verse 3 again, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Spiritual fruit develops in its season. When a life is planted by the water, by the way, that water is God's word, it will never lack of substance. Its spiritual fruit is observable. It will cause others to take notice. Think about it. Can other people see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Now, I know our first reaction is, well, of course. But really stop and think about it. And I would encourage you maybe after the service tonight or maybe when you get some quiet time, think about it. Do people really see the fruit of the Spirit in my life? God didn't design our fruit to look like the fruit of the world. He designed our fruit to reveal strong roots, different roots, firmly planted in Jesus Christ. He designed our roots to produce fruit that makes people sit up, take notice, and desire, desire what we have. We've all seen trees that are so huge, we're absolutely amazed. That's the kind of fruit God wants to produce in us. He wants our roots to go so deep. He wants to plant us so strongly that when people see our fruit, they'll want to have what we have, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll produce spiritual fruit, but watch this. We'll produce consistent fruit. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. If you don't know what chaff is, that's the outer covering of the seed of wheat and that kind of thing. At harvest time, the chaff, the debris, gets mixed in with the valuable grain. And so the farmer separates it from the grain. And the chaff is discarded and the grain is stored and then used. The traditional method of harvesting wheat involves the following process. The farmer would go out into the field with a sigh or a sickle and he would cut the wheat. Then he would gather it and take it in, and he would thresh the wheat to remove the grain from the chaff. What he would do would be beat the grain using a wooden flail on a hard surface. 
to separate the grain from the chaff. And then, now that all be laying there, the farmer would winnow the wheat. And what that means is he would toss the grain up into a light breeze and the grain would blow the chaff away and the seeds would come down and that would separate the chaff from the wheat. He would then catch the grain in a broad basket and let the chaff drift to the ground to be tilled back into the soil. The chaff is refuse. It blows whatever they, the wind blows. It's not valuable. It will never be anything but chaff. But God said in Psalm 1, the ungodly, those who aren't saved and rooted in Christ, are going to be like the chaff. They're going to blow one way and then the other way, while the one whose roots are stretched firmly into Christ will stand tall like a tree planted by the water. God's design for spiritual fruit is consistency. He designed our roots to dig deeply, producing strong plants and vibrant fruit. While chaff is here one day, and there the next fruit is solid and life-giving. So let's wrap all this up. The part of the Christian life that most intrigues us, fruit-bearing, is developed through root growing. It's not automatic. It begins with being planted in Christ, and we know that happens at the point of salvation. It continues as the believer pursues Christ, stretching his spiritual roots in search of nourishment through the water of the word. Spiritual roots are not automatic. They have to be developed, and they have enemies. God warns us in his word to beware of those enemies, the philosophy, the traditions, the rudiments of this world. He further directs us to seek fellowship with others who desire spiritual fruit, being alert to friendships that would draw us away from a growing relationship with him. Choose your, your friends wisely. Finally, fruit produces consistent spiritual fruit. It can't be manufactured by wishing. It's developed solely through roots sinking deeper and deeper into Christ. Allowing him to make himself known through the fruit that he produces in us. In our coming lessons, we'll study further what it means to be rooted in Christ through his word, his truth, his wisdom, his love, and we'll see a vast array of fruit produced by the rooted life. The question tonight is, how are your spiritual roots? Question number one, are you rooted in Christ? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Question number two, if you have been saved and born again, how are those roots developing? Do you strive to have your spiritual roots go deeper and deeper? Do you spend time in the Word and time in your prayer closet? And do you meditate upon spiritual things? Those are the ways our roots are going to get stronger and stronger. You can't have a strong plant without strong roots. The roots are so important, and our roots are so important. I challenge you to, to work on this thing of your spiritual roots going deeper and deeper and being stronger and stronger. Father, thank you once again that we can be rooted in Christ. Thank you that we can grow in him. And we pray now and ask you that each of us as believers would have that desire to have deep, strong, spiritual roots 
and that we would make the effort to develop our spiritual roots in Christ. We've said several times, this doesn't just happen. It takes purpose. It takes time. It takes uh, energy. And we need to put the time and, and energy into developing our spiritual roots. And I pray that we would, we would want our roots to be so strong, so strong that it would produce fruit, fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and others would see the fruit. Help us in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.